Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com Shapiro. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com Shapiro. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. CarShield.com slash Shapiro. That's CarShield.com slash Shapiro. Hollywood mocks Trump, postures about sexual harassment, and generally annoys everybody who doesn't live in Hollywood. We'll talk about it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, so this is the show that we do after the Oscars, where everybody on the left gets super annoyed after all the virtue signaling and all the politics of last night and all the politics that Hollywood routinely shoves in the faces of Americans. If you respond to that, it's considered bad taste. Never mind that it was pretty stacked politically from the left. Never mind that was openly acknowledged by the people on the stage. If you respond to that, then you see you're being triggered. If you respond to that, if you point out that it's political, if you point out that Hollywood is pushing a particular political agenda, this makes you the bad guy. We'll talk about all of that in just a second, but first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Birch Gold. So today, again, the stock market starts off and it is down. We have been down for a week. We have been down for the last month. The stock market always has some baked-in volatility. That doesn't mean you shouldn't invest in the stock market, but it does mean that you should hedge some of your betting with investment in precious metals. And that's why I talk to my folks over at Birch Gold Group. They sell physical precious metal for your own possession, and they will ship metals right to your front door. Right now, thanks to a little-known IRS tax law, you can even move your IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver. It's perfect for people who want to ensure that their hard-earned retirement savings are protected from inflation or stock market ups and downs. They have a long-standing track record of continued success. Birch Gold has thousands of satisfied clients, countless five-star reviews. And right now, when you contact Birch Gold Group, you can request for free an information information kit on physical precious metals. They give you a comprehensive 16-page kit showing how gold and silver can protect your savings, how you can legally move your IRA or 401k out of risky stocks and bonds and into a precious metals IRA. So get your no-cost, no-obligation kit. Go to birchgold.com ben, birchgold.com ben. And again, ask all your questions. Make sure that you feel perfectly comfortable. And once you do, Birch Gold, those are the people that I trust to invest in precious metals. Birchgold.com ben. Check it out again, birchgold.com ben. Okay, so... As I say, one of my great irritations in life is this game that is played by folks in Hollywood in the entertainment community where they make a bunch of content and they do it with politics explicitly in mind. And then if you respond to that, then it's you who are being oversensitive. So if you say that The Shape of Water, a.k.a. Grinding Nemo, a movie in which a woman has sex with a fish, but only after she is helped by a communist, a gay guy, and a black woman, and she herself is, a, is, is mute, she helps a fish escape to her bathtub where she has sex with it, if you say this may have some left leanings, if you say this may have some political messages, then you are saying, how dare you mention that shit? It is a great piece of art. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Right? It doesn't matter that people who have worked on the movie say it's political. It doesn't matter that critics have said it's political. It doesn't matter that viewers know it's political because it's obviously political. If you point out that it's political, no. How dare you call it SJW Splash? You're oversensitive. You're ruining the art. Just terrible. If you mention they call me by your name, which won a best original screenplay or best adapted screenplay last night. If you mention that that's a story about a 24-year-old dude seducing a 17-year-old dude, which means that the dude who he's seducing is underage, and that if you made that movie about a man and a woman, this would now be part of the Me Too movement. Or if you mention that if that guy who was 24 was named Kevin Spacey, he'd be banned from Hollywood <laughs> for doing that in real life. No, how dare you? It's a beautiful love story that has no political agenda at all. None. No political agenda. If you mention that there are a slate of movies last night they were mediocre at best, but were praised to the skies because of the intersectionality of the people who made them. So, for example, Lady Bird, meh, just a meh movie. It's a, as Sunny Bunch puts it correctly, it is a longish episode of Roseanne. Right? That, that if you say that, if you point out that Greta Gerwig's movie is like eh, it's not the worst movie ever, but it's not the best movie ever. That's because you must hate women. If you don't pay attention to, if you think that Black Panther was like a good action movie, like a nice good action flick. 
but it wasn't the most important movie of all time. You are politicizing it. Not the New York Times, which ran a thousand pieces, a thousand thing pieces about how it was the most important movie ever. Right? If you say it may not be the most important movie ever, then you are the problem and you're triggered. You see, here's the deal, folks. I'm not angry about any of this. I'm not upset about any of this. I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy of people who will overtly state that they are acting in political fashion. Then the minute you say, well, you know, I'm not really fond of politics being shoved in my face. They go, a clown knows on. No, we're just, we're just your jesters. We're just your entertainers. We're just here to entertain. So what really ripped the mask off last night is Jimmy Kimmel made a joke in the middle of the Oscars. First of all, of course, Jimmy Kimmel was asked back because now he is, as Guy Benson puts it, the Pope of Hollywood. He is the secular Pope. And Jimmy Kimmel, who somehow has elevated himself from staring at boobs on the man show and asking women to find out what's in his crotch with their faces legitimately, right? We have stay, he's moved on from that to being the Me Too, anti-gun, pro-Obamacare spokesperson for the left. So he was asked last night to do his routine, and his routine was predictably not funny in the slightest. So here's my honest, here's my honest take on the Oscars. I did not watch one minute of this live, and I was much happier for it. I watched the highlights later. Okay, so I'm taking some of this on faith that he wasn't good last night. I'm taking that from the critics and the ratings, which were abysmal. I'm taking it also from seeing clips of him because they're not funny. I can't overall give you like every minute of the Oscars because I didn't watch every minute because I have a happy life. And there's no reason why I, like most Americans, should have to suffer through this garbage. But in any case, Jimmy Kimmel rips the mask off of what Hollywood has been saying for years. But it's so funny. When Hollywood says things, we're, we're allowed to take it seriously. But if we say it in the conservative movement, then we're bad. We're terrible. So here's what Jimmy Kimmel said last night. Of the nine Best Picture nominees, only two of them made more than $100 million. But that's not the point. We don't make films like Call Me By Your Name for money. We make them to upset Mike Pence. <laughs> okay, and the reason that gets a big laugh is because it's true. It's because it's true. So people are saying, well, you think the author of Call Me By Your Name? It's a joke. You think the author of Call Me By Your Name was really thinking of Mike Pence? No, I don't think he was thinking of Mike Pence specifically. But I'm sure that the author of Call Me By Your Name was thinking, I'm making a very significant film because it's important that Americans see that homosexual love stories are just as real and intense as heterosexual love stories. I promise you that that was going through his head. Because of course it was going through his head. You wouldn't expect anything else to go through the guy's head. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with him. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with his motive. But to suggest there's no political motive at all is silly. Now, when I did my book, Primetime Propaganda, in 2011, I went and I spoke to dozens, a hundred, people who are like the top creators in Hollywood, the people who created Friends, the people who created Soap, the people who created Golden Girls, the people who created America's Funniest Home Videos, like legitimately every show that was a top show from the 1950s all the way forward to the 2000s, I interviewed somebody from that show. And the message that I got from virtually everyone is of course we put our politics in our films. Of course we put our politics in our, in our TV shows. Would you expect us to do any differently? And the answer was, no, I don't expect you to do anything differently. But the great lie that they hid behind was, well, we put our politics in there not because we are propagandists. No, 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 no. We put our politics in there because it's what the audience demands. When we make a show like Friends and we have a lesbian wedding for a season, or when in later seasons, Ross and Rachel have a baby out of wedlock and they're in love with each other, but we don't let them get married because that would be too conventional. When we do all of that, that's just because we're, 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 the audience wants to hear that perspective. It's something the audience wants to hear. And look, the ratings prove it. And were the ratings for Friends good? Yes, they were. But Kimmel points out the truth here. The truth is, Hollywood would make that stuff no matter what. Because people in Hollywood want to feel good about themselves. It's so funny. People talk about the DC cocktail parties. They talk about the DC cocktail circuit. They talk about how all these people in DC want to get together and go to these she-she parties where they hang out. That actually happens in Hollywood. Okay, talk to anyone who has worked in Hollywood. These cocktail parties, they're not as common in DC. They are really, really, really common in Hollywood. Everybody in Hollywood goes to cocktail parties. This is how they get jobs. And one of the ways they get jobs is by talking to each other about how they virtue signaled this year. They talk to each other about what kind of difference they're making for the world. Just like the, the ridiculous fictional creators of Google in, in Silicon Valley, they go, they go around talking about how they're going to make the world better through better compression algorithms. And this is what they do. They go around talking about how their film really made a difference in lives. This is how they think. Because if they really thought that they were around to just make movies of people clubbing each other with sticks and that we all laugh and enjoy them because, hey, we all like movies, they wouldn't feel very fulfilled. You know, there's a movie called Sullivan's Travels from the 1940s, a great movie. And the whole movie is about this guy who wants to make comedies. He's a, he's a comic writer and he makes comedies, these very famous comedies. And then he decides he wants to make his deep film because he feels unfulfilled. He feels like he hasn't made his contribution to the arts. And so he goes out on the road as a homeless guy and he experiences all sorts of craziness and suffering. All this terrible stuff happens to him. And he comes back and he realizes he ends up in a chain gang. And he realize, and all they show these guys comedies at night, some of his comedies. And he realizes, 
That's me doing something for the world. That's something Hollywood folks do not understand. Okay, they don't want to make their comedies. They don't want to just do what it is that we enjoy them doing. They don't want to make Thor Ragnarok. They want to make Call Me By Your Name. They may make Thor Ragnarok so that they can pay the bills, but what they actually want to make is Call Me By Your Name. It's when Jimmy Kimmel says, when he reveals there, that what they're actually doing is making films specifically designed so that they can feel good about themselves, that it, it makes them feel good to slap Mike Pence, it makes them feel good to slap people in the middle of the country. That is true. Now, when Jimmy Kimmel says it, we can all take it seriously. But if I say it, then it's because I'm politicizing the issue. I remember we did the exact same thing with regard to, for example, Joe Biden. So back in the early 1990s, there was a show called Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown had Cameron, uh, what, what was the name of the one? Candace Bergen playing the lead. And Candace Bergen had a baby out of wedlock. And Dan Quayle said, this is not good for the country. It is better if you have mothers and fathers having babies on TV. Right? This is propaganda from the left. And Dan Quayle was ripped up and down. It was his Murphy Brown moment. How dare he suggest that this was politics? It wasn't politics. It was just TV. It was just TV. And then Joe Biden came out in the, in the mid-2000s, right, right after, or the late 2008, 2009. He came out, and he was talking about Murphy Brown, and he was talking about Will and Grace, and he said, of course TV has changed minds. Without Will and Grace, would people have been so accepting of same-sex marriage? And the answer, of course, is no. Propaganda has an effect. That effect is to propagandize. That's the intended goal. And so when Jimmy Kimmel says that they put profit aside to make some stuff like Call Me By Your Name or The Shape of Water, this is true. Does that mean it's deeply wrong and deeply... No. They can do whatever they want. It's a free country. That's fine. But me acknowledging that they're political is no different than them acknowledging that they are political and that profits, while important to make sure that they boost their industry, their business is no different from my, my business. The difference is I'm honest about it. I am here to push a certain political point of view, to push principles that I think are important. I'm not doing it just to respond to the market. In fact, I take pride in the fact that we at The Daily Wire don't just respond to the market. It's why we make certain editorial decisions. Right? It's why we don't show the names and faces of mass shooters. I'm sure that hurts us in the click count, but that is something we are willing to do. Right? We're willing to take a hit, and I'm honest about the hits that we are willing to take for a particular political view. It's why I never fell onto the Trump train in the, to the extent that I was you know, talking about everything being mega, mega, mega genius, so I'm sure I would have made more money if I had done that because there are certain principles I think are important. The difference is Hollywood has principles it thinks are important, but they lie about it. They won't tell you that. They will say that they are just there to make entertaining content, and the politics are secondary. Utterly untrue, not true. Kimmel makes that suggestion, Kimmel is correct. Okay, what Kimmel says here is right. And you have to keep that in the back of your mind when you watch the rest of the Oscars. Because what the Oscars really are about are not just a moment for Hollywood to award the best filmmakers and to show you what's best in film. It's not about that at all. What Hollywood's Academy Awards are really about is what Kimmel is saying. It is about the slap. It is about making people in the middle of the country feel morally less. It is about the suggestion that Hollywood is showing the best of itself. It's Hollywood's book report at the end of the year where they demonstrate why they should be there. And according to Hollywood, the reason they should be there is not because they entertain us, not because they make movies we want to watch, but because they do important things. And so they have to reward important movies. And you can see Hollywood's shifting standards for itself over the course of Oscar history. And I'll explain that in just a second. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Movement. So the best watches on the market today, Movement watches. They used to be just a crowdfunded source working out of a living room. In the past year, they've introduced a ton of new watch collections for men and women. They've expanded it to sunglasses, fashion forward bracelets. Okay, all of their watches are clean. They're beautifully designed. They are really, they, they're really durable. You know, my son loves the watches, runs around with them, smashes them against the wall. They're all as good as new, and they look terrific. I've worn them to Congress. I've worn them to the White House. Uh, I've worn them to, to a, a bunch of different places because that's how nice they are. And you're getting these things for like 95 bucks. Okay, the, the movement watches start at just $95. At a department store, you're looking at $400 to $500. Okay, that, that's how, these watches are really classy looking. They're really nice, and they make a really affordable gift for men or women. My wife has one. I got one for her. My mom has one. Got one for her. My dad has one. So everyone in my family has movement watches, and there's a reason for that. Right now, you get a special deal. If you go to mvmt.com Shapiro, you get 15% off today mvmt.com slash Shapiro, 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. Go to mvmt.com slash Shapiro and join the movement. Again, movement watches are top of the line. You will really enjoy them. Go to mvmt.com slash Shapiro. That lets them know that we sent you and you get 15% off your order with free shipping and free returns. Check it out. All righty. So one of the reasons that you can see that Hollywood has shifted its view of itself is the change in, in the demographic of the people who actually watch Oscar films. So it used to be that Oscar films, between 1983 and 2000, 2003, really, virtually every Oscar film was a major winner in terms of the box office. Virtually every Oscar film 
did really well at the box office, at least the, 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 um, the films that won Best Picture. Right? And so I'm going to look up the list right now, and I will tell you, there has not been an actual good movie that has won Best Picture at the Oscars, like a, a great movie that's won Best Picture at the Oscars, in my opinion, since 2010, and there hasn't been a box office winner at the Oscars for nearly 15 years. For nearly 15 years. It's really an amazing, amazing thing. Right? And let's, let's look back at the, at the Best Picture winners. So, 2016, the best, winner picture, the best Picture winner was Moonlight, which made like five bucks at the box office. Before that, it was Spotlight. Fine movie, completely forgettable. You know, I, again, I enjoyed Spotlight. I think Moonlight is a fine film. It was obviously the social justice winner because it was about gay black people in the inner city. Whatever, that's fine, but that's not exactly designed to be a box office busting winner. Okay, Spotlight won the won the year before that. The year before that, it was Birdman, which I thought was just an execrable film. I just thought it was an awful, awful movie. Twelve Years a Slave, which I think is a, a very good movie, but not obviously one that's going to bust down the box office doors. Right? It's it's about slavery. It is not a highly entertaining film. I, I think it's a, a well-made film. I don't think it's as well-made as, for example, Schindler's List, but 12 Years a Slave is a good movie. But is it like an all-time classic movie? Probably not. Argo, which is completely forgettable now. Do you even remember Argo? I remember when it won. Like, I saw it. It's fine. It's fun. But it's not like, it's an, Argo is not an important movie. The Artist, right? N none of these movies made more than $5 at the box office. The King's Speech was the last really great movie that I think was, was a, a big winner at the Oscars. The Hurt Locker was the year before that. Slumdog Millionaire, which did decently at the box office, but won over like The Dark Knight. Are you kidding me? Okay, are you kidding me? It, it hasn't even, th that was 2008. Okay, it's been 10 years. Has, does anyone even watch Slumdog Millionaire now? It's a fine film. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it's not The Dark Knight. Okay, No Country for Old Men is 2007. That was the last big box office winner that actually did really, really well uh, at the Oscars was No Country for Old Men. So that was 2007. And before that was The Departed, which, meh. Okay, Crash, the worst movie of all time. Okay, Million Dollar Baby, again, okay, but sorry, movies about euthanasia don't exactly blow it up at the box office. And then you get, but by, but by 2003, I think it was really in the Bush era that this happened. 2003, by the middle of the Bush era, you can see the shift for Hollywood. The shift goes from, we are here to make movies that entertain you, to we are here to make movies that are specifically designed to say something, say something important. Because before 2003, all of the movies that were winning were big box office winners. The reason this is important is the people in Hollywood, the people who vote at the Academy Awards, see their role differently. They see their role in life, seriously, as we are here in order, to, in, in order not to make big movies that make lots of money and, and earn us all enormous paychecks. That's something nice that we do. But what we're really here to do is push the message. And you can see that from the Oscar winners. Because before that, it was Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. It was Gladiator. It was Shakespeare in Love, which did really well. It was Titanic. It was Braveheart. It was Forrest Gump. It was Schindler's List and Unforgiven. It was Silence of the Lambs. It was Dances with Wolves. Right, Every other year, it was a top five to top ten box office movie that was winning. And we haven't had one of those in like 15 years. Okay, there's a reason for that, and it's because Hollywood does have messages it wants to promote. So we're going to talk about some of the messages that they wanted to promote at the Oscars last night. Okay, so here, let, let's start with this, and I think this says it all. Last night, Emma Watson showed up to the Oscars with a new tattoo. Her new tattoo said on it, Time's Up. There was only one problem with her tattoo. It did not have an apostrophe. So she actually just has something that says Time's Up, which doesn't, I don't even know what that means without the apostrophe. So, you know, no, rega no regards for Emma Watson on her tattoo. But this was the theme of the Oscars last night. The theme of the Oscars last night were men were bad. Men generally are bad. But here's the thing, Hollywood knows that men are bad. And they're good about this, they, they get it. They get, men are bad, particularly white men. White men are really bad. Okay, white men are terrible. And the way that we know that white men are terrible is because Hollywood on the one hand was pushing diversity last night, meaning diversity of skin, not, not viewpoint. Diversity of skin color, diversity of gender, but when it came to men, you know, men, bad men, those people, they're just bad. They're bad people. Right? Here's Jimmy Kimmel last night saying, what we really need in America is more men without penises. Thankfully, Hollywood is there to provide them in, in ample supply. Here is Jimmy Kimmel. Oscar is the most beloved and respected man in Hollywood. And there's a very good reason why. Just look at him. <laughs> Keeps his hands where you can see them. <laughs> Never says a rude word. And most importantly, no penis at all. <laughs> he is literally a statue of limitations. And that's the kind of men we need more of in this town. That's right. What we need more of is not virtuous men, not men who stand up for women, not men who use their aggression in positive ways, 
Not men who get married and have kids. Not men who use their penis properly. No, that would be too limiting. What we need is men without penises. Now, it's really funny. C.S. Lewis once wrote a, an entire essay called Men Without Chests. And his entire essay is about when you have a civilization of men who have been scooped, their value has been scooped out when they've been given nothing to live for. They become a problem. They become problems. Men Without Chests is one of the great essays in all of Western literature. Okay, and the entire premise is when you remove masculinity from men, you are doing them damage and you are turning them into hulks of themselves, into husks of themselves. And here you have a guy on stage at one of the most watched events of the year talking about how it would be great if men had no penises. It would just be fantastic. Now, I know we're supposed to, oh, it's just comedy. It's just com but then the whole point of comedy is that there's a, an element of truth to it. Is there not? This is what we've been told for years. So if Hollywood says that men, at the very end of the show, by the way, Jimmy Kimmel reiterated this. Like at the very end of the show, Kimmel actually suggested that uh, that he wishes that he were a woman, which I don't know what the limitation on him is. I mean, what, one thing that we have learned is that if you wish to be a woman, don't let anyone stand in the way of your dreams, man. You can be a woman. If Jimmy Kimmel wants to be a woman, he can make this happen. If he really admires men without, then he presumably can actually go and uh, and take care of business. I mean, this is this is something we can. It's a free country, but. Again, like th this is the message that Hollywood wants to promote. Like this is what Hollywood actually wants to push. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Okay, so that was that was the main message. And so, how did Hollywood take this on? Because the truth is that the big problem in Hollywood, of course, has been aggressive men who have not had any moral limitations put on them, who scorn the fundamental institutions of Western civilization, like marriage and chivalry. They scorn these things, and then they have used their power positions in order to victimize women. So, how did Hollywood deal with that last night? Did they face up to it? Did they face up to it? Of course they didn't face up to it. So here is, the. this was, I think, the key. There are three Weinstein accusers, three accusers of Harvey Weinstein got up, and they were pushing the Time's Up movement. So this is Selma Hayek, uh, Annabella Sciaro, and Ashley Judd. Okay, all three of them have accusations to make about Harvey Weinstein. A uh, Annabella Sciaro was apparently blacklisted by Weinstein. Ashley Judd says that Weinstein abused her, and Selma Hayek called Weinstein a monster in the New York Times. Now, I know all of that because I actually researched this stuff. If you watched the show last night, you wouldn't know any of that. You would just see three beautiful women on stage making extraordinarily vague references about something bad that happened in Hollywood. We can't mention its name. We can't talk about what happened. We can say things like Time's Up, or we can say Me Too, but those are buzzwords. We're not, we don't actually know what happened. Like, if you were just an alien and you came and you watched the Oscars last night, what you would assume is that Hollywood was rewarding itself for how it treats women, not castigating itself for how it treats women. Because watch this, okay? Watch the vague references. As Jim Garrity at National Review says, this is all fortune cookie stuff. Listen to what they actually have to say. There's not one mention of sexual abuse, sexual assault, or sexual misconduct anywhere in this clip. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And then they followed up this clip with a montage talking about how wonderful Hollywood is to women and black people and Indian Americans and the vast panorama of colors, the cinemascope of Hollywood. I'll get to all of that in a second. I'll show you this clip because it really is an amazing thing how Hollywood ended around the biggest scandal to hit Hollywood of the last 50 years. Okay, But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Stamps.com. So Stamps.com is the easiest way to access all of the amazing services of the post office. It never closes. You can print postage for letters or packages at your own convenience 24-7. The exact amount of postage every time. You never underpay or overpay. Again, we use it here at Daily Wire so that our employees don't have to run over to the post office. We save money. We make sure that we're not wasting time. Again, that's what stamps.com is for. It is convenient. It is easy. It is reliable. And it is efficient. So check it out right now. Again, they make it easy. They will send you a digital scale so it automatically calculates exact postage. They'll even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. You don't have to lease an expensive postage meter or anything. Right now, you can enjoy stamps.com with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Shapiro. That's stamps.com, and when you use promo code Shapiro, you get a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. All of this you get the special offer. Again, stamps.com, enter promo code Shapiro and start using it. You'll save yourself lots of time and lots of money. All those great services the post office provides made convenient for you right there on your desk. Stamps.com, promo code Shapiro. Check it out. Okay, so again, back to the Me Too moment in, in, at the Oscars. So here are these three women, uh, all of whom were victimized by Harvey Weinstein, apparently. And you never get one mention of this, not one. Okay, here's what they had to say. It's an honor to be here tonight. This year, many spoke their truth, and the journey ahead is long, but slowly a new path has emerged. The changes we are witnessing are being driven 
by the powerful sound of new voices, of different voices, of our voices, joining together in a mighty chorus that is finally saying, time's up. Okay, do you have any idea what they're talking about? Like, really, I mean, if you just came in from the street and you had no idea what was going on in Hollywood, you hadn't read any of the headlines, you hadn't done any of the research, would you recognize any of these three women except you might say, okay, there's the lady from Double Jeopardy and there's the lady from, uh, from that movie about Frida Kahlo? Right, like, legitimately, that's, that's, the, that's all you would see is just these people making really vague references to the diversity of voices. And then they follow up this diversity of voice stuff with a montage. And is the montage about women who have been abused in Hollywood? Is the montage about taking responsibility for that abuse? See, here's the thing that Hollywood did last night. They had Jimmy Kimmel get on stage and talk about how all men all over the world are responsible for evil against women. So it's everyone else's fault. Maybe that includes Hollywood, but it really is everyone's fault because it's penises that are to blame, of course. Penises, they're the worst. Except, in fact, if there's a movie that wins Best Picture uh, or, or Best Adapted Screenplay about a 24-year-old man having sex with a 17-year-old man, then penises are not the worst. Then penises are great. But penises are the worst when it comes to like ma male treatment of women. Male treatment of other men, you know, treatment of underage men particularly, not a big deal, unless it's Kevin Spacey. But if you find all this confusing, we can clear all this up for you because we have a montage last night over at the Oscars. And the montage was all about how Hollywood, it turns out, is a welcoming place. And now it turns out that they've turned the corner in Hollywood. You see, before they even knew they had a problem, they had the cure. And the cure was intersectionality. What we needed was more people making movies based on identity so that they could have a more diverse viewpoint or something. And somehow this is going to cure the problem of men abusing women in Hollywood. By the way, if you think any of this stuff is going to have a long-lasting impact on Hollywood, you got to be joking. It's going to have five seconds of impact. The media will move on. Within two years, men will be back to abusing women exactly the way they did before in Hollywood because Hollywood has no moral standards. I know I've lived here my entire life. Okay, here is the montage last night in which Hollywood, which should be doing penance, right? They should be doing mea culpas. Instead, they're there explaining that they are actually our moral betters. I, I haven't raped anyone. You haven't raped anyone. You haven't sexually harassed or abused anyone. You haven't made movies about people you've sexually harassed or abused. But it's really Hollywood that has to tell you a thing or two. So here's Hollywood explaining its mission in life. This entire fall, the Me Too, the Time's Up movements, everyone is getting a voice to express something that has been happening forever, not only in Hollywood, but in every walk of life. Okay, pause it there for one second. Sorry, that, okay, so number one, that Mira Sorvino was abused by Harvey Weinstein. Did she say anything about that there? No, she didn't. No, if you were watching that, you'd have no idea what she's talking about. Continue. Should they? Some of our best work has come from turmoil. We have been in denial about the things at work. Some of my favorite movies are movies by straight white dudes about straight white dudes. Now straight white dudes can watch movies starring me and you relate to that. It's not that hard. I've done it my whole life. Okay, so. pause it right there. And then there's the cheer, right? There's the cheer for the guy from The Big Sick and from Silicon Valley, directed, by the way, by uh, created by Mike Judge, a straight white man. So there, there he is. And, and that's the thing, right? Now Hollywood is going to pat itself on the back because look, look at all these new creators we're bringing to the fore. Now, some of these movies are actually good, right? The Big Sick is a pretty good movie. Um, Greta Gerwig's movie is not particularly good, but it got all sorts of plaudits. The Big Sick is a better movie than Greta Gerwig's movie by a fairly long shot. Um, but there's Greta Gerwig talking about, yeah, the, the, she directed Lady Bird. It's an amazing film. How do we know? Because she's a woman. And this is the way we work now, right? We have to know that only a woman can direct Batgirl, right? Joss Whedon can't direct Batgirl. Only a woman can direct Batgirl. Uh, and only a black person can direct Black Panther. And only, presumably, a transgender person can direct a movie about a transgender person. And that's how we know if the movie's good. Not whether it's good or not, but because Hollywood is providing all sorts of representation. Right? Representation. We don't have to be moral, but as long as we have intersectional representation, that is truly what matters. So remember, this montage started with them talking about Me Too. Remember all the way back, like a minute and a half ago, when they were talking about Me Too? Does anything here have to do with Me Too? Does anything here have to do with Time's Up? Not a thing, not one thing, zero things have to do with Me Too or Time's Up. But this is the way that Hollywood elides its own moral culpability in one of the great scandals of the late 20th and early 21st centuries, and then suggests that they're actually winning because Kumail Nanjiani used to have to watch movies by white guys and identify with the characters. Like, listen, I'm happy to identify with characters who are not of my race. I've said this all my life. I'm Jewish. I've identified with characters who are not of my race my entire life, who are not of my religion my entire life. Did it ever bother me one iota? No. And do I think that like, it's deeply important that now people identify with an Indian guy uh, or a Pakistani guy, because I think that Nanjiani is Pakistani? No, I, I don't think that that matters a lot either. I mean, if the movie's good, the movie's good. I don't care. 
But apparently that's not the way Hollywood is supposed to work anymore. We, we know that Hollywood is good because Hollywood is making movies with diverse people, whether or not the movies are good. So you can continue with this with this montage demonstrating how much better Hollywood the, the people of Hollywood are than, than you are as a human. Thelma Louise came out. The oh, wow, Thelma and Louise. Terrible movie, by the way. Changes everything. We're going to see so many more movies starring female characters. That didn't happen. But this is now that moment. Okay, we can stop that. Okay, right there. Okay, so then the idea now is we're going to get a lot of movies starring female characters. Then now we're finally going to get more movies like Delma and Louise. God forbid we should get more movies like Delma and Louise, one of the worst movies ever made. I'm fine with female characters in starring roles. Wonder Woman, I thought, was a very good movie last year. And I like Gal Gadot, so that's great. Um, but again, how about quality movies? I saw a study in the New York Times today. It was really funny saying how many of the best picture winners, percentage of, of lines read by men versus percentage of lines read by women. They neglect to mention the fact that the one that won last night was about a woman who is mute. Okay, it's sort of hard to make that calculation when the woman in the movie is mute. How about minutes of screen time? That's a much better gauge of whether a, it's a, it's a male-centric movie or a female-centric movie than number of lines spoken by women. There are a lot of great performances by women in which the acting is, is not in the lines. Okay, we're gonna get to Hollywood being better than you in just a second and their continued push for the notion that while they are, in fact, some of the least uh, morally responsible actors in, in America, uh, they are actually our, our great moral leaders. By the way, you wanna know why Trump won? This is why Trump won. Okay, when you have a bunch of people from Hollywood lecturing you about how they are the great moral leaders, while making some of the least morally responsible films of all time and being very irresponsible in their own personal lives, uh, then, yeah, that's no one's going to listen to you when you say that Lena Dunham should be our, our shining star of morality. Okay, we're going to get to more of this in just a second, but for that, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com. Over at dailywire.com, for $9.99 a month, you can get the rest of this show live. You can get the rest of the Andrew Clavin show live, the rest of the Michael Knowles show live. You can be part of our mailbag. We're going to be doing another episode of The Conversation. You can ask me questions there. All of those things you get when you're a subscriber plus. You get this, the very greatest of all beverage vessels, the leftist tears, hot or cold tumbler. You will enjoy it. You will live with it. You will love it. It will confer upon you great benefits of which I cannot speak. But once you have it, you know. So go check it out. Annual subscription, $99, which is cheaper than the monthly subscription. If you just want to listen later, go over to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Please subscribe. Please leave us a review. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast in the nation. All righty. So. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the, the virtue signaling over the Oscars and how ridiculous it was. So um, my favorite point to this was the part, this is a thing they're doing now where Hollywood stars meet the commoners. They did this last year where they brought a bunch of people into the Kodak Theater in the middle of the Oscars. And they did it again this year with a bunch of people who are starring in these movies that none of these people have ever seen, right? They're all there to see A Wrinkle in Time, which is a kid's movie, which actually might make some money at the box office. But all these Oscar nominees who no one's heard of walk into the, walk into the theater and start interacting with the audience. Oh, don't you see celebrities? They're just like you. They're just like you. Okay, as someone who took, in the, I think in the last week and a half, I probably took 2,500 pictures with people, um, just people who are fans of the show and enjoy. There's nothing special about celebrities. In fact, celebrities are some of the most empty people that you will ever meet, depending on what it is that they do for a living. But this sort of, we're here to hobnob with the common folks, with the hoi polloi, before we go back to our shining, our shining, beautiful palatial estates on the hill and never see any of you again. It really is kind of galling. So here they are walking into the midst of the commoners and demonstrating to the commoners that they too are regular people before they go off with their million dollar salaries and their special sports cars with their beautiful lovers. Uh, here they are last night. Let's fight. Do not aim the hot dogs at the vegetarians. Oh, there you go. Hansel, go ahead, fire that thing into the crowd. So Army Hammer is literally firing hot dogs into the crowd. This is what we have become, right? These are our betters firing literally food into the crowd. I mean, if there was ever a, a more symbolic Marie Antoinette let them eat cake moment than this, firing hot dogs into a crowd of commoners, ha ha, we shall feed the commoners with these hot dogs from our giant hot dog gun. And, th and then they lecture us. It's just unbelievable. My favorite thing uh, last night about the lecture was, was this, so Kobe Bryant, who settled out of court on a sexual assault case, right? He won an Oscar last night because there was a short film that was made out of his, out of his retirement letter about dreams of basketball or whatnot. He won an Oscar last night, which means that Kobe Bryant has now won as many Oscars as Gary Oldman, which is really ridiculous. So Kobe Bryant gets up there, he wins an Oscar on Me Too night, 
after settling out of court several many years back with a woman who accused her of raping her uh, in a in a in a room in Colorado. Here is Kobe Bryant dunking on Laura Ingram and the crowd cheering. Whatever form your dream may take, uh, it's through passion and perseverance that the impossible is possible. Well, I don't know if it's possible. I mean, as basketball players, we're really supposed to shut up and dribble, but I'm glad, I'm glad we do a little bit more than that. Okay, there he is ripping Laura Ingram because we were supposed to shut up and dribble. <laughs> but it's so funny. The entire crowd is totally fine with Kobe Bryant, a guy who settled out of court on sexual assault charges, uh, you know, doing this, uh, doing this routine. So just, just amazing. These are our moral betters. You can tell that what, what Hollywood wants to push. Again, the Oscars are not about Hollywood demonstrating its best. It's about them demonstrating what they think is best about themselves to you. That is what Hollywood is about. So there is a, a song that was performed last night from the, the movie Marshall uh, that called Stand Up For Something, and I guess it was Common and Andra Day who are performing this song. Uh, and I guess it's mostly like sort of a beat poetry about politics. These days we dance between love and hate. Don't know the date, so we stay awake. A knee we take for our soul's sake. New victory off our old faith. A president that chose with hate. He don't control our fate because God is great. When they go low, we stay in the heights. I stand for peace, love, and women's rights. Okay, they stand for peace, love, and women's rights. Don't you understand? When they go low, we go high, but we kneel for the anthem, and the president leads with hate. Yeah, the, the, no politicking here. But if, by the way, again, if I comment on politics, it's my fault. You watch. The headlines after this show will be, Shapiro rips into Oscars because he's bitter about that. I didn't even watch it, man. Okay, like, do what you want to do. But I am pointing out that the culture gap in this country, the, the cultural betters, who th they wonder in Hollywood why we don't take them seriously on politics. They wonder in Hollywood why there's so many people in the middle of the country who find Hollywood distasteful? They wonder in the middle of the country, they, they wonder in Hollywood why it is that people in the middle of the country are only going to see their big budget pictures and not any of their artsy films. Maybe it's because you're constantly lecturing everybody in the middle of the country about how you're better than they are. And then the minute that you say, listen, we don't like being lectured, they go, hey, we're just artists, man. We're just artists. You don't get to be propagandists and admit that you're propagandists and openly propagandize and then pretend that you're just there for the art of it. Okay, it doesn't work that way. That's not the way that it works. You can use messaging in your art, but that is messaging in your art. And you don't get to have it both ways. This clown knows on, clown knows off routine is really irritating. Uh, I, I think the greatest contrast here, by the way, is Common and Andrew Day do this thing about we're going to kneel for the anthem. Gary Oldman wins an Oscar. He thanks America and listen to how the crowd responds. I owe this and so much more to so many. I have, uh, I've lived in America for the longest time, and I am deeply grateful to her for the loves and the friendships I have made and the many, the many wonderful gifts it has given me. My, my home, my livelihood, my family, uh, and now Oscar. Um, okay, so he thanks America. He talks about how great America is. Dead silence in the hall. <laughs> Dead silence in the hall. Uh, but big applause. For Frances McDormand, of course, Frances McDormand wins Best Actress for what I thought was actually an overwrought performance in Three Billboards. Um, I, I liked Three Billboards. I, I thought the movie was fine. I thought the best thing in it was Woody Harrelson. Uh, he's the only one who didn't win an Oscar. Sam Rockwell, the guy who you'll remember from Iron Man 2, won an Oscar. And so did Frances McDormand, the woman you'll remember from Fargo. She won an Oscar, too. She got up at the end, and she did a whole women's, women in movies routine. Because, you know, if there's somebody who's really been victimized in the movie industry, it's Frances McDormand, who's now winning her second Oscar and who's been working continuously for legitimately 25 years. Here's Frances McDormand pushing inclusion riders. She said this at the end of her speech, and nobody knows what she's talking about, but I will explain. Because we all have stories to tell and projects we need finance. Don't talk to us about it at the parties tonight. Call, invite us into your office in a couple days, or you can come to ours, whichever suits you best, and we'll tell you all about them. I have two words to leave with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Inclusion rider. Okay, nobody knows what she's talking about. An inclusion rider is a rider in contract that states that there must be parity with the number of women employees or black employees. We have to have an intersectional contract. Listen, she's happy. To, if Frances McDormand wants to do that, that's fine. That's fine. But Hollywood ain't going to operate on inclusion riders because the reality is that Hollywood still needs to make a profit. The sad truth of Hollywood is that none of the movies that won last night make Hollywood work. 
Nobody watched the Oscars last night because of three billboards. People watched the Oscars because of Thor Ragnarok, because that's how people engage with Hollywood. People engage with Hollywood because of Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok and Wonder Woman. And the reason they're not engaging with more serious content is because nobody in Hollywood will make more serious content that is not replete with nasty messages about traditional values or Hollywood or Hollywood superiority to the rest of mankind. The minute that you make a serious Hollywood film that doesn't involve those things, that thing will do blockbuster at the box office, but they won't do any of that. They separate it into stuff that makes money and stuff that we have a message with. And so long as they do that, then all the stuff that they honor at the Oscars is the stuff nobody will watch. And, and the stuff that actually makes it work is going to be all the money float stuff uh, through Marvel or DC. That's, that's how all this is going to work. Okay, so I want to move on uh, from the Oscars and talk a little bit about President Trump's tariffs plan. So the president has now come out and says that it's time for a change on tariff policy. Uh, here is what he tweeted out. He tweeted out, that, quote, we are on the losing side of almost all trade deals. Our friends and enemies have taken advantage of the U.S. for many years. Our steel and aluminum industries are dead. Sorry, it's time for a change. Make America great again. Yeah! Okay, so again, as I explained last week, tariffs are stupid. The steel and aluminum industries are not dead. And the stock market continues to drop because the president doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to these tariffs. So the stock market dropped immediately on opening about 100 points. It is now up about 185 points. It'll probably drop again. It's very up and down right now because of the volatility in the stock market. It's unclear what Trump is actually going to do on all of this. It is true that Trump has promised this for a long time. So Wilbur Ross, the, the Commerce Secretary, who is most famous for falling asleep and drooling during meetings, uh, he came out over the weekend. He said no one should have been shocked by the tariff talk, which of course is true. Almost a year ago, he commissioned the Commerce Department to do the studies on steel and aluminum. They've been through any number of interagency reviews before they were released to the public. So with the whole year of preparation, I don't know why anybody should have been so shocked. Okay, so he's right that nobody should have been shocked about this. The only thing is that we were told that we shouldn't have to really pay attention to stuff that Trump was saying. We should just pay attention to what he was doing. If what he said during the campaign is what he does now, I'm going to be much less happy with his governance than I have been for the last several months. Speaking of which, you know, the media are, are making a big deal out of President Trump. Uh, over the weekend, he did an event, and he praised China's president for life. The president, basically, of China is, is the dictator of China, because voting ain't a thing over there, uh, is now the president for life. He's basically appointed himself to an endless term. And CNN got hold of audio of Trump talking about this. There's one thing Trump says that's disturbing, and one thing the media is blowing wildly out of proportion. Forget China's great, and she is a great gentleman. He's now president for life. Maybe we'll have to give that a shot someday. Right? So we cut out some of the laughter there for, for time purposes, but the reality is the people are laughing all the way through. When Trump says that he wants to give being president for life a shot one day, uh, he's obviously joking. He's obviously responding to the crowd. That's what the media latched onto. What they should have latched onto is the president talking about how, how, how wonderful a human being and how great. Uh, Xi Jinping is, the, the president of China. He is a communist dictator who represses his own people and leaves millions of people in suffering. No, he's not a great guy. No, he's not done a lot of great things. And when the president praises the, the president of China that way, uh, that is not a positive. The president should not be doing that. That's where people should really be directing their ire, not at the stupid line about president for life. And no, he, he said that he thought that it was great that the president of China had declared himself president for life. And that part, he was serious. And that's absurd, of course. We, you shouldn't have um, American leaders praising dictators. That's just bad policy. Now, speaking of bad policy, uh, so all of these kids from, from Parkland are still going around doing a lot of media appearances. Uh, a couple of these kids, Cameron Kasky, and I think this is David Hogg. These are two of the kids you've seen the most. Uh, they were on with Bill Maher over the weekend, and they said some of the most obnoxious things ever. If the goal here is to earn your way into America's hearts so that we pay attention to you on gun rights, this is not the way to do it. Sincerely, I really do. To all of the generations before us, we sincerely accept your apology. And we, we, we appreciate that you are willing to let us rebuild the world that you f***ed up. Good luck trying. <laughs> okay, so that is the most obnoxious thing. So you, what has that generation done, by the way? Like kids who are 17, what have millennials done? Like my generation. I guess they formally labeled millennials people born between 81 and 96. Okay, what have we actually done for the world, like the millennials? The answer is not a whole hell of a lot. I mean, I think the baby boomers were pretty disastrous, but at least they gave us the civil rights movement uh, and the women's rights movement. Uh, yeah, what, what exactly have, have millennials done for the world? Not much at all. Right? It, the, the arrogance of somebody saying, we want the previous generation should apologize to us. Guess what? World, the world didn't start with you. Okay, the, 
Previous generation, you live in the freest, most prosperous country in the history of the world, and previous generations have to apologize to you? If you were born 500 years ago, you'd been born into abject poverty by any global modern standard. But, you know, we're supposed to pretend that these kids have been done some sort of essential wrong, not just by an evil shooter, which of course they were, but by an entire society of people who have done wrong to them. An entire, all previous generations have not lived up to them. Come on. Come on, guys. It's just, it's, it's bad. It's bad politics. It's bad press. And it's, and it's dumb. It's just, it's not smart. And again, it just tears America apart for no apparent reason, which is, I guess, we're all now in the business of doing. It's what we do at the Oscars and what we do on, is what we do whenever there's a tragedy to which we all, uh, to which we all, of which we all mourn. Uh, we all have to tear each other apart. It's just the thing that we're into. Okay, time for some things I like and some things I hate, and then we'll get to a Federalist paper. So, things I like. So, something from Hollywood that I actually enjoy, made by a bunch of people who are on the left, but it's a very enjoyable show, is a show, The Good Place. If you haven't seen this show, it's very clever. Uh, the entire premise of it is basically a woman dies and she goes to what is supposed to be heaven. But it turns out that on Earth, she was actually kind of a bad person, uh, Kristen Bell's character. And so she's accidentally ended up in heaven, and she's trying to hide that from everybody because she's actually a bad person. Uh, and, uh, and the show is really good. It actually gets better as time goes on. So the first episodes are good. The first couple episodes are really good. It slows down for three or four, and then it gets a lot better. You can go watch it at Netflix. It's really worth watching. Um, and especially when the emissaries from hell come, it gets very, very funny. Uh, so check this out. This is uh, The Good Place. You, Eleanor Shellstrop, are dead. Cool. Fruity glasses of wine and no hangover. This place rules. These people might be good, but are they really that much better than me? Did you fill your bra with shrimp? No. Yes. So who is right? Every religion guessed about 5%, except for Doug Forsett. One night he got high on mushrooms and got like 92% correct. <laughs> this show's really funny. What's funny about the show, actually, is it starts off as this very secular left version of what heaven is. Right, everybody goes to heaven regardless of, of what they sort of did on earth as long as they didn't take their shoes and their socks off on an airline flight. Uh, then they then they go to heaven, um, and then it moves into some some more interesting and convoluted moral questions. Like it's it, it's a show that makes it will actually drop references to Plato and Kant in the middle of the show, which is really fun. So check that out. Okay, so that's the thing that Hollywood is producing. That I, Hollywood produces a lot of stuff that I like. It's what makes me so upset when they pretend that they are not propagandists for particular viewpoints, particularly in their showcase, the Oscars. Okay, uh, time for a another thing that I like. So uh, Bill Maher did something great last night, uh, or on Friday night rather. He was talking about the fake news drama, and he says that everybody is is focusing on fake news because there is a lot of fake news out there, namely this perpetual outrage machine that seems to be dominating. No wonder fake news resonates so much with Trump fans, because so much of it is fake. Just nonsense made to keep you perpetually offended with an endless stream of controversies that aren't controversial and outrageous that aren't outrageous. Because places like the Huffington Post and BuzzFeed and Salon, they make their money by how many clicks they get. Yes, the people who see themselves as morally superior are actually ignoring their sacred job of informing citizens of what's important and instead sowing division for their own selfish ends. All power to, to Bill Maher. All kudos to Bill Maher. That is exactly right. The manufactured outrages of the day are just that. They are stupid. They are outrages that mean nothing. Uh, and Mar is exactly right about this. And the left traffic's in them. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. So I could have devoted the entire show to things I hate, actually, if I, if I had so chosen. I could have just called it Oscars I hate. But uh, instead, uh, I, will, I will reserve one clip for Jordan Klepper over on Comedy Central. So speaking of Hollywood bias, there's not one right-wing or even remotely right-wing comedian on Comedy Central. Like, there's no one of even mildly to the right tendencies. If you are slightly to the right of Karl Marx, you do not belong on Comedy Central. So Jordan Klepper has a new show on Comedy Central, which of course means he should be on CNN speaking about politics, because being a comedian means you should talk about politics unless you're a comedian on the right, of course. So here is Jordan Klepper on CNN talking about how it is time for 
America to get serious about guns. I went through the process of what it would take for a good guy with a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun. I talked to people on both sides of the Dickey Amendment and the argument with funding the CDC and quickly realized that in, in America there is so much more common ground. I think it was really frustrating because the, that wasn't the narrative that was getting out into the public. And so mm. I did a special that was focusing on that. Come, right. As somebody who comes from Michigan, I have a lot of gun folks in my uh, my family and, 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 and my surroundings. Gun and so, folks meaning people that own guns and want to ensure that there isn't gun control, more gun control. Well, yeah, I think like where, where guns mean something different than what they mean in New York. I, I say where hunting is an issue. Right. Um, and so I, I, for me, I felt like I was so frustrated because I got to talk to people who, who had guns and people who didn't have guns and saw that there was, there was a different narrative here that wasn't, that wasn't being covered. And okay, so there's Jordan Klepper from Comedy Central talking about how no one takes the gun debate very seriously because the small minority has a loud voice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Again, Comedy Central, not exactly a, an unbalanced, uh, an unbiased source. Okay, quick description of Federalist 18. Thankfully, it's a relatively, uh, it's it's a Federalist paper that is replete with historical re, uh, retelling. So there's not a lot to say about it. It basically, it's by Hamilton and Madison. It's a continuation of why the Articles of Confederation are a failure. In it, Hamilton and Madison give the example of the failure of the Grecian republics to avoid war with uh, with one another. He talks about how. And they talk about how uh, the Grecian republics were basically constantly at war with one another because the Confederate system under which they lived uh, did not have a strong enough central government. And they write, even in the midst of defensive and dangerous wars with Persia and Macedon, the members never acted in concert and were more or fewer of them eternally the dupes or hirelings of the common enemy. The intervals of foreign war were filled up by domestic vicissitudes, convulsions, and carnage. And so the suggestion is a stronger centralized government will prevent the states from reaching out to foreign governments to form alliances with them against other states. Uh, this, of course, has historically been true during the Civil War. Uh, the, the South actually reached out to Great Britain in an attempt to make an alliance with Great Britain. Any war like that is going to, is going to entail uh, states reaching out to foreign sources and uh, unending eternal uh, discord inside the country itself. Okay, we'll be back here tomorrow with much more. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Mathis Glover, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2018. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.